unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So we need to sit down and have real conversations. The leaders really need to, and this is just my opinion, the leaders really need to address the issues and address them with substance. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't, you know, tell everybody, hey, we should all get along. We're all alike unto God. You know, everybody's not hearing that. A strong statement from the church, I feel, from the leaders need to be made and some programs in place to not only help our white brothers and sisters, but blacks as well. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Saints Unscripted. We are here today with Wayne Myers. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Wayne is the author of the book. It came out several years ago, uh, From Baptist Preacher to Mormon Teacher, correct? Yes. Wayne uh, has been in the Genesis Group presidency and you were released from that a few years ago yes um if you guys don't know what genesis group is please check that out it's an it's a it's a fun time um but we brought you on here wayne we want to talk a little bit uh about some tough issues okay um recently as most people probably already know there's been some controversy across social media mm-hmm. um, involving one of the counselors in the general young men's presidency mm-hmm. of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints brad wilcox um, who who said some things that were offensive to a lot of people and that weren't necessarily in line with church doctrines regarding the priesthood ban, which we've done lots of episodes about in the past. We're not going to jump too much into the history of the ban. Uh, we've we've done that already, um, but but we kind of we just want to get your take on on the issues that are going on right now and and see if we can build some bridges if that's okay. okay. Yeah, sure. Um, initially, when I heard the Heard the, heard heard Brad Wils, Wilcox um, thoughts. I was pretty much like, "Whoa, wait, what? What are you?" And so it was it was very frustrating. But then I was actually in meditation. I thought to myself, and I asked myself, "Hmm," the question that Brad Brad Wilcox asked, and I had to write it down. So let me read this. Through my research, I've learned a few things. God is not the author of confusion. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I've also learned that Christ taught a specific people, a people that was preferred to spread his gospel, which rightfully had the birthright from the birth of that people. Finally, it led me to the conclusion that what was restored may have been misinterpreted and raised more questions about the events of the narratives being taught. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is an organization for keeping order. That's what I've learned through much research of Brad Wilcox's question, why did it take so long for the priesthood to be given to the whites? However, not being equipped with the knowledge of who the true Israelites are and visions that may have been misinterpreted, seems to work in the favor of a certain group of people. Unpack that for us. Because <laughs> either you're going to have to unpack it or you're going to have to read it five more times okay. for me. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I, I love it. Trying to process. Yeah. In order to claim the right to something that requires uh, birth 
For instance, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had his birthright by birth. Mm -hmm. There was a big split in the church after Joseph Smith was killed, right? Mm -hmm. Brigham Young, Emma Smith didn't agree with that. She thought it should come how? Through, Through Joseph's um, line. His, yeah, family. Yep. And how does God normally work? There's a whole lot of lineage there, stuff going on. Yeah. He begot him. He begat him. He begat him. There's a reason the Bible goes through uh, who begat who. There's a birthright there. Now, we know at one point that some of those uh, 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 Egyptians fame claim the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Right. You're referring to Abraham one. Exactly. Yeah. So my question to Brad Wilcox, when he asked that question, why did it take so long for the whites to get the priesthood? That made me start thinking, Brad, you got a good question. Why did it take so long for the whites to get the priesthood? Did God change his mind about white people? I'm hoping that's rhetorical. <laughs> that is. Okay. That is. It's rhetorical. So. Okay. so that was my question. That's what it caused me to think that, wait a minute. All this, all this time, we've been asking the wrong question. God doesn't change his mind. According to the scriptures, he's the same. If we look at the scriptures. So it, it rose that question in me. Why did it take so long for God to give it to the whites? Were they supposed to have it at all? Who had it? The Israelites. The Israelites had the birthright. So that was, it raised that question. So if we're going to go by Brad Wilcox's logic, were white supposed to have it? Great question. So he's since apologized for some of the statements that he's made. (laughs) Unpack that. Unpack that. Chuckle. Okay. I've heard the apologies, but like many um, have already said, what what is he apologizing for? You know? Mm Mm-hmm. You set us back to 1978 again. We have to revisit that again. So what are you apologizing for? Do you even understand? Does he even understand why that's an issue? And he's been doing this talk for so long. So now that it's an issue, now you're sorry. Okay, so what are you sorry about? So I I didn't really feel an apology simply because when someone truly repents like we require in the LDS church, true repentance is making good on what you've done. You go back, you correct it, and you don't do it again. But this is something that's going on again and again and again and again. So I wonder what the, what, what, what he was apologizing for. That's my question. So I, I think that it's interesting because some of the rationales that he gave for the, the lateness of the 1978 revelation mm-hmm. They're not new, right? Right. They're things that have been repeated over and over again by leaders and members for a long time. Um, And so part of my reaction to it was, well, well, yes, I'm glad that, you know, you're attempting to apologize and learn more. Um, And of course, I think there's plenty of space for grace and forgiveness and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think a lot of these rationales are, are just destined to be repeated over and over again Mm -hmm. until maybe the institution of the church kind of addresses these things head Mm -hmm. on. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess the next question is, you know, 
what maybe from your perspective, from, from your point of view, what are some things that the church can do moving forward um, to build bridges? Mm-hmm. We see a lot of work with the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Maybe we start there. Um, okay. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What are some additional things that can be done? Where do we go from here? From, from my understanding, charity begins at home and then spread abroad. It would make no sense for me to go outside of my house and start taking care of kids outside of my house. And I have seven of my own who are starving. Mm. So when you go to the NAACP, they're not in our house. Those aren't your kids. You have black members of the church jumping in and out. People, black members become members of the church and then they leave. There's nowhere, there's no cultural bridge to bridge that gap other than Genesis. And that's just in Utah. I tried to start one in Columbus. It took us three years to have our first meeting and it had no ecclesiastical authority. Mm. So in order to build that bridge, you have to start in your house. You can't go outside of it and talk to the black folks outside of it because they could care less. Yeah. We're just so specific. Yeah. I mean, we have our own... Yeah culture our own thing going on so mm-hmm. yeah that it, totally it, makes sense yeah so so specific and our history is you know is, is everything is recorded so yeah we, we need that love here love us and then we can go out to the NAACP black folks go to the NAACP for you you know if if if, if we could start at home so what does that look like what what are, what are those things that, that need to be done I think having real conversations, the hard conversations coming from the leaders. You know, I was speaking at BYU one time. The Black Student Union had me come and, and, and speak to uh, the uh, black lawyers or, or black students that were studying to be lawyers or law students. And everybody, it was a lot of people that came. All kind of races were there. And I made mention of the priesthood essays that the church put out. The gospel topics essay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And in 2014, so this was around 2016 that I'm, I'm talking about this. And I was asked, is that something that the brethren signed? And I said, it's on the website. Well, just because it's on the website, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Have you ever tried to get anything on the church website? We have. Genesis couldn't even get a link on the church's website. Hmm. And we're the one of the oldest auxiliaries of the church started and established in 1971 and could not get a link on the LDS church website that said, come to Genesis. Wow. So when I said that, they were like, well, that still, that still doesn't, that, the, the brethren have come out and said it in the essay. They said this in the essay. Do you know white students begin to get up and leave? Really? I thought to oh, myself, goodness. wow. So we need a bridge built for everyone. These old things that are being taught, these old traditions that are being taught, the young people don't want to hear it anymore, and it's crippling. So we need to sit down and have real conversations. The leaders really need to, and this is just my opinion, the leaders really need to address the issues and address them with substance. 
Don't sugarcoat it. Don't, you know, tell everybody, hey, we should all get along. We're all alike unto God. You know, everybody's not hearing that. A strong statement from the church, I feel, from the leaders need to be made and some programs in place to not only help our white brothers and sisters, but blacks as well. All of us. You know, I was watching Dr. DeJoy, and I believe that's her name, and she's a psychiatrist. And she said, if I stomped on a puppy, if I just stood here and stomped on a puppy until I killed it, everybody in this room would need therapy. What about slavery? None of us got therapy. None of us, black nor white. So we don't know how to interact with each other and have the hard conversations. So I think the leaders need to start facilitating that. Hmm. Yeah. So we've got the leaders, you know, they can do that from the pulpit or their social media or, or whatever that is. And, and then we've got the body of the membership as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have any kind of additional thoughts on, on what we can do as, as members of the church, as the body of the church as well, to help facilitate that conversation? You know, one of the things that <clears throat> was ha- made, made starting a Genesis group in Columbus really difficult was when we got the group started, white members wouldn't come. And when we asked, we said, hey, would you come in, you know, come to the Genesis meeting? No, that's not for us. That's for you guys. Mm-hmm. So if I think if Caucasian members of the church would, would, would start trying to reach out and understand why we're where we are. And then the members start trying to come together, which is really going to be hard because attitude reflects leadership and silence is agreement. Can be taken as agreement sometimes. And so it's hard. The members that want it are already doing it. A lot of members are getting it. A lot of Caucasian members are waking up going, wait a minute, we got to, we got to, we got to do better. We see it in our ward where members are coming up to us, not all of them, but some of them are coming up to us. Hey, what can we do to be better? Well, come to dinner. Let's talk about it. Invite us to dinner. Let's talk about it. And that's what my wife and I have been doing. You know, I think that's really interesting because I think that a lot of uh, white members of the church, we don't know where to begin. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were kind of hesitant to approach black members and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. tough questions. You know, how do I talk about these with you? Right. But maybe it's just as easy as, you know, asking, how do I talk about this with you? Or or, 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 what other tips might you have for, for white members of the church that are trying to do better? You know, a lot of, a lot of black people, we wear our emotions on our sleeves and it's for, for safety purposes, I should say, or just, you know, as a reflex. And so you're going to, you're going to encounter some black people that don't want to talk about the hard things that that's hard for them too. So the bridge is just like a missionary. And I used to teach missionaries all the time, the door approach. And I, I'm a, I'm a salesperson by nature. I, I was in sales for over 25 years and the door approach is the worst in history. You know, I'm thinking when they were tracting, I thought to myself and I'm like, okay, first of all, you can't just knock on someone's door and say, Hey, I got a message for Jesus Christ about Jesus Christ. Can I share it with you? You know, 
You need to ask questions. You need to show interest in them because so, so many times, and I read a book by uh, Glenn Stuckey, uh, and it's the seven habits of highly effective teens. But Glenn Stuckey said this. He said, seek understanding before you're trying to get understood, before you want to be try to get understood. And this is this is what I'm living by now. Seeking understanding. I want to understand first before I'm trying to before I try to be understood. And so I think that's where all of us need to be. We need to seek understanding. We really just need to be open where we're not trying to get our point across. You know, white people need to stop apologizing for slavery. You know, those that wake up and say, I'm sorry, you know, I wish you didn't go through. Well, the things that's happening today and the, the things that are coming in, again, that's not a way for us to build a bridge. We need to open up and just be real and have real conversations. What do you like to do? Just ask questions. So many times we want to throw our opinions or our way of life upon people because we feel this is right and you should do it. Ask a question. What do you guys like to do? You know, and if they say, hey, what do you mean you guys? Black people. That's what I mean. What do black people like to do? Don't be a f- don't run from it. If you if you have a microaggression and you don't realize it's a microaggression and a black person calls you out on it, then deal with it. Don't. No, I didn't mean it like that. No. Yes, you did. Let's deal with that because you just don't understand what you did. You know, so let's talk about that. Let's just be real with each other. Hey, that's a microaggression. When you say you people. Black people get, that's a wall. We throw up a wall. You people, it's a microaggression. Or when when a white woman asks a black woman, oh, is that your real hair? That's a microaggression. Hmm. You know? Yeah. So if that's the case and a black woman says to you, why? Don't run from it. I just want to know if that's your real hair. You know, our hair grows this way. I'm interested in how your hair grows. I'm not being offensive and I just want to learn. Coming from... True sincerity. Yes. Yes. Can't run from it. Once it's out there, you can't run from it. You got to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't take it back. <laughs> Didn't mean it like that. Can we start again? No, we just, let's just deal with it. You know, black people the same way. If we say something or if we have a microaggression, you know, with white people, we don't need to run from it. Deal with it. And that's one of the things I had to learn. Like I said, I was very angry when I got released and I said some horrible things, you know. But I'm not going to run from them. If you ask me about them, we can talk about them. I was angry. When I got released, I was angry. From the for how it was done. Yeah, from, from the presidency. presidency. Yeah. So, but I can deal with that. And that's what I think we need to stop being afraid of doing. We do things and then we run from it like we didn't do it or like we didn't mean it. or And we try to try to justify it. No, let's just learn from it. When we know better, we do better. If you don't know better, I can't expect you to do better. Mm, yeah, I think sometimes as members of the church, we tend to be a little passive about things because we because yeah. we don't want to get out, we don't want to be offensive, right? We don't want to hurt people's feelings and and all of that. But it sounds like we just need to kind of get to the core of just. I mean, sometimes you got to get everything out on the table, right? And just talk. We, we don't like and, to and be it can uncomfortable. be so awkward. Like we don't like to be uncomfortable, and right. I'm totally that way. You know, yeah. I I know I need to improve so yeah. much. But it's just like, you know, if you're ministering to someone and, and you mm-hmm. feel weird about it, like pretty much any situation where you're being Christ-like, you might feel weird about it at yeah. first. And that is okay. Like Christ did things in his life that might have been weird to people. Like he was just upfront and, yeah. he, you know. Yeah. 
It's been a really it, just a, a fascinating learning experience for me, having done a lot of these interviews with black members of our faith, mm -hmm. because we're talking about uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. 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 And like, it's like tangible yeah. almost, but it's almost therapeutic yeah. and, and totally. freeing a little yeah. bit. It is. To be able to do that. You know, black people, we're strong because we have to be. We have had to overcome some obstacles in our lives that white people haven't had to overcome. And that's just the truth. And because of that, what happens when you go to the gym? The person that's lifting the weight and exercising is going to get stronger. The person sitting over there eating pizza is going to get fat, right? We've had to go through so many obstacles that our strength and our mental ability, a lot of the instructions, a lot of things that frustrate Caucasian people don't frustrate black people. Why? Because we've all, we're used to jumping the hurdles. You put something in our way, we can jump it because we have to learn how to do it from birth. When we're born with this black skin, you have to learn how to thicken it. There are going to be some things that are going to happen to you in this society that's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to deal with it and you're going to have to learn. So we need to be able to come together and understand. And that's why I think personally, so many black people that are still in the church, I've been a member of the church over 25 years, still a member of the church to this day. Why? And a lot of people ask me why. Because of my strength. Because of my mind. Things don't unravel me that would average, normally unravel your average Caucasian man. Simply because of the hurdles, the, the, the exercise I've had to do when to get here. And my muscles are bigger, in a sense, if that makes sense. I would love it if you could, could maybe as we head towards the end of this interview, if you could unpack that a little bit. I keep using that word. Yeah. I don't know why. But because um, earlier you mentioned, you know, you have black members, black people coming into the church and heading mm -hmm. right out the door soon mm -hmm. after. Mm -hmm. You're still here. Mm -hmm. Why? Exactly. You, you've told us a little bit, but can yeah. you expand on that? I believe Joseph Smith saw what he said he saw. I do. I believe Joseph Smith's testimony as sure as we're sitting here. I've had my own Joseph Smith experience. That's why I believe it the way I believe it. Now, once you get to Brigham Young, it gets kind of shaky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But Joseph Smith, yeah, my testimony is right there. So as a black man and, and, and being in church and my muscles being stretched in a sense, Having my kids come back to me saying, Dad, the kids in primary won't play with me because I'm black. Or my high school children coming back saying, Hey, Dad, my seminary teacher's teaching me that I'm cursed. I had to learn. I had to sit down and read and understand and study and pray and study and pray why this is going on. And so, therefore, I'm equipped to deal with it. My Caucasian brothers and sisters who don't do that are not. So, my thought is that we build that bridge where we equal out one another, you know, almost like a battle buddy system. Every white member needs a black battle buddy. Maybe we don't have enough black members, so we need to have maybe about 20 or 30 uh, battle buddies, white, white battle buddies to one black battle buddy. You know, we just sit and say, okay, hey, this is how you strengthen your muscles. This is how you get strong. This is, this is what we did. This is how we had to do it. Because it, it really freaks me out when I go, or, or it trips me out, I should say. When I go in the store, I'm from Ohio, right at the Midwest. We don't apologize unless there's a reason to apologize. I'm in Walmart and I kid you not, it almost happens every time when I say, excuse me, to get past somebody in this, in, in the, in the, in the uh, grocery uh, store. I know where you're oh, going I'm sorry. Ah, that's totally me. Like, what? <laughs> Why are you sorry? I just said, excuse me, I'm going around. 
And it's like anything that's a confrontation, like, oh, I'm in your way. I'm sorry for being in your way. No, I just said, excuse me, you know. So you don't have to, you know, be offended like, oh, I'm so sorry for being in your way. It's like, no. In Ohio, it's like, excuse me. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. You know, it's, 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 it's no thing. Yeah. Or, you know, hey, man, you're in my way. Oh, oh my bad, bro. And, we'll, you know, we, we, we go on. But here it's like, oh, excuse me. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's, you know, so. I feel called out. <laughs> it always trips me out when that happens. And I'm like, I really want to say. And I should start saying, why are you sorry? I need to just address that. Why? Have the that tough conversation. Yeah, have that tough know, conversation the right there. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what, and that's an example of what I mean. As black people, we need to, instead of walking away, I need to start asking that, oh, I'm sorry. Why? What'd you do? Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, I was in your way. <laughs> be like, oh, uh, you know? I don't know, and then just have that conversation right there because that's a that that's something I you know that really just like man, why do why do my white brothers and sisters do that? You know, because yeah. you know. So yeah, that's a, that's what I was talking about. So how do you? Uh, obviously, there are things that you feel can be improved in the church mm-hmm. from from the top all the way down to the bottom of the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people struggle with how to balance sustaining the brethren mm-hmm. with changes that you feel strongly need to be made. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people might look at some of these um, suggestions or, or critiques or whatever you want to call them and say, well, you're not being faithful or okay. you're, you're not sustaining the brethren. Well, mm-hmm. How do you balance that? Because obviously, I mean, you're a believing, faithful, active member. Mm-hmm. That still has opinions mm-hmm. uh, about things that need to be improved. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? Just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean that we can't walk together. You know, um, because if we walk long enough and we talk long enough, this is a Jesse Owen statement. If we walk long enough and we talk long enough, we can work it out. Hmm. So I don't necessarily have to initially agree with you, nor do you have to agree with me. We just have to learn how to be okay with being disagreeable and not detach from one another, hmm. you know, because we disagree. Now, are there some things that will make us, that, that will cause a detach? Possibly. But if we never walk long enough together to communicate and have the hard conversations, how are we going to know? You know, if, if a husband just says, you know, hey, you're not intimate with me anymore. I'm leaving. Bye. You know, doesn't leave much room mm-hmm. for growth at all. You know, so we have to learn how to ask the hard questions. Why? Let's sit down and talk about it. Why are we here? And how can we move forward together? Right now, we have a division in the church again that's been reborn through this Brad Wilcox thing. The youth, I don't know if you've been watching the social media with the youth, what the youth are doing with it. That's who I watch. I watch the youth. And they're making all kind of funny memes and videos about Brad Wilcox and this and that and the other. And you have black members and white members doing this. Youth. The youth don't want any part of this. The youth want to be able to come together. It's the adults that continue to boom, boom, boom. How is a 60, how, I don't even know how old Brad Wilcox is, but how is he over the general authority of the youth? This man ain't been young since <laughs> dogs was being sicked on black people. How can he relate to the youth? Now, just because I disagree with that 
That don't mean I'm not going to say, hey, that man's not called of God. It doesn't mean you are going to say or Yeah, that doesn't mean I'm not I'm, I'm going to disagree gonna... or not sustain mm. the uh-huh. prophets because they called Brad Wilcox, who has no idea about the youth other than you need to read, preach my gospel. You need to do this and those old traditions that are still being forced upon them. You have uh, youth. My son married a white woman. They got divorced. They did, she didn't know how to have the hard conversations to stay and deal with the hard stuff. White women, when they marry black men and they find out that that's a real struggle, you know, it's hard to navigate that. However, the youth are saying, hey, it's time for us to come together. It's the seniors that are going, no. We could learn something from the youth. I learn something from the youth all the time. Definitely. They're awesome. Yeah. I seriously am in awe of the youth these days. So coincidentally, a lot of our audience is composed of youth. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice or, or what message would you leave with them when it comes to all the controversy that's been? I mean, I, I feel like it's controversy that's been around for decades and mm-hmm. decades that has kind of it, it continues to resurface mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. now and then. What what? kind of soft space can you give them to land in when it comes to this stuff? I would say to the youth this, anybody that's too big to follow is too little to lead. So if there's someone who's challenging your thought process and they're unwilling to learn from you, that's probably not a person you want to follow. Because, I, again, in my universal expression, we're in a different dimension now. <laughs> and this love thing that we have going on between us or this love-hate relationship, if we're not able to learn from the youth, because these, these youth are blowing my mind. My granddaughter, she can literally, and she's not even two years old yet, she can open up on the iPad, she can open up the movies, she can pick colors, she can pick numbers, and she's not two. I've served in the nursery. I've seen Oh my, (laughs) these kids are, these youth have something new for us to learn. And if if we're trying to continue to push our old traditions on them and not allow them to be the creator that they're put here to be, and we're not trying to understand where they are, and we're just pushing our old ways upon them, it's probably not somebody you want to follow. That's my thought process. So I learn from my kids every day. And please send me something new. I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> it reminds me of a meme I saw lately. Wow, look at that. Look how I'm relating to the youth here with my memes. But it said something along the lines of sometimes we focus too much on being a good descendant mm-hmm. and not enough on being a good ancestor Yeah, for the people who come after us. Yeah. Wow. I like yeah, that. I agree. That's powerful. That's awesome. Any final thoughts? Uh, I think we said them all. If people have, uh, have questions for you, is there a way they can contact you? Uh, yeah. You can go to uh, Wayne Myers at yahoo.com, W-A-I-N-M-Y-E-R-S. Uh, or I'm on Instagram, and I think it's Waveheart360. I used to have waves until I cut all my hair off <laughs> so waveheart 360 and i think it's waveheart 360 on on facebook also 
Great. So if you look, or just Google Wayne Myers, you'll find me. I'm somewhere out there. <laughs> Wayne, thanks for being here. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you for your thoughts. And, uh, you know, it's a privilege to have you on. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been great talking yeah. to you. Thanks Thank for you. having me. See you guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.